All right, folks, we're live. Hey, Travis Kelsey fought for his right to party last night as they won the Super Bowl. But here's the thing, Morgan Riley fighting for his teammates on Saturday night for the right to shut up Ridley Gregg. And was it right? We're going to get into it. There's lots of topics to cover. You look at the sandwich board, get ready, kick your feet up. You got a half an hour with the boys from offside. Clarky, how's the night going tonight? Oh, it's going great, James. I was able to watch a little bit of that Super Bowl. Uh, actually, most of it, I will say. Uh, I had a little baseball job going on on the side, but uh, got to watch most of it. Um, I thought it was a decent little game. Uh, I wish there was a little bit more scoring, but at the same time, I think the the storyline of the game played out really nicely. A little bit of overtime, never hurt nobody, and uh, I think the 49ers choked. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, that's one easy way to say it. I could just say maybe Mahomes is uh, just out there creating a little magic, adding yeah. to the lure of his legacy, winning in overtime. Uh, it is yeah. what it is. They, they won the Super Bowl. That's all that matters. But uh, I'll digress across the uh, the Super Bowl and the Chiefs. It's over. It's done with their champs. Let's go. Let's talk about the thing that's been talked about to death. And um, we haven't got to talk about it, obviously. We didn't do the weekender yesterday. We have to do it today. So the hit heard around the hockey world. I'll say this simply about it, Clark. I haven't made many videos on it. I thought I said my piece, but unfortunately, when you do a podcast, you also have to talk about it yet again with your peers on the air. So here we go. The action by Ridley Gregg was greasy. I don't care what you say. You can say, I got salt. I'm crying. I'm a baby. My diaper's full. I don't care what you say. But when it comes down to it, every single former NHL player, every single old coach or anyone who's been a part of the game said that what Wrigley Craig did was greasy, was uncalled for, unwarranted, whatever you want to say. Then there's the response from Morgan Riley, which again, same people saying the response was warranted. Now, was the cross check to the head warranted? No. Did it ride up? Yes. But at the same time, it made contact. For me, the reaction was correct. Stand up for your team. Don't let somebody show you up. Don't let somebody stomp all over you, kick you when you're down. Whatever you want to use as your words for that. But the action was wrong. Riley should have grabbed him, scrummed him, pummeled him, dropped him to the ice, whatever you want to say, should have did it that way. Using the stick was the wrong way to go about it, but he definitely should have responded. Do you say what, Clark? Okay, so I don't know if you remember, James. I'm pretty sure you do because I've brought it up before uh, as a recall. But I asked for somebody to get gosh dang suspended like three months ago. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just, I'm fine with this. I love it all. Like, I, yeah. and I agree with you. Uh, yes, stick. You hate that. You don't want to see that. You want to get that out of the game, whatever. Uh, but you know what? Had he punched him in the face and jumped him and did a bunch of other stuff, the re- the reaction would have been exactly the same. James, we're kidding ourselves. If uh, anyone who's saying it would have been otherwise are kidding themselves on Twitter and, and on TikTok and all these other social media channels. The reaction would have been exactly the same had he dropped his stick 20 feet before he got to Greg and jumped him and punched him in the face. Everyone would have said the exact same thing. So I don't think it is about the stick. I think it's about a changing culture in hockey and probably for the most part uh, for the better. And I'm not going to say that that's uh, 
something we need to get into necessarily today because I think the culture of hockey needed a change a long time ago. And um, I think there's also equal amounts not so great about what Ryan Reeves said about how, you know, make hockey violent again. There's that whole side of things as well. Uh, like there, there's a lot to this. Um, and a lot of people are talking, uh, in these last couple of days about it. Um, but I personally loved it. I've been asking for this type of response from this team for a long, long time. Uh, I was, I wasn't necessarily expecting it to be Morgan Riley. That was the one that ended up getting suspended, uh, especially because he has been leagues, leagues above any other defenseman in terms of quality this season for the Leafs. But, uh, generally I love it. Uh, I think more guys need to have this mentality when it comes to this team. Uh, and you know, was it too far? There's a good chance of that, but at the same time, uh, the response is what I needed to see. And I wish this would have happened. Like I said, three months ago, because I called for somebody to go get suspended three months ago, do something stupid three months ago. Uh, and this is, this is the second best time to do it before the trade deadline. You know, there's not, you know, there's an easier stretch of games coming up. I don't want to say that they're automatic, but uh, they're teams, and we'll get to this later in the show, that uh, are below them in the standings that they should frankly beat. They sh- well, That hasn't been really <laughs> been a good thing all season. But uh, anyways, this is this is something I've been calling for for a while, and I'm, I'm just happy to finally see this type of response from the team. There are a lot of people that say that this situation right here will galvanize this team, will bring them together. Uh, will raise the level of everyone else, you know, having someone kind of run through the proverbial brick wall and just, you know, let loose and let everybody know, hey, we're not pushovers anymore. We're not going to be, you know, the laughing stock. Because if Morgan Riley, guys, if Morgan Riley did nothing and let that happen, what would everyone say? Oh, the Leafs just let them slap it in the net. The Leafs don't care. They're they're out there collecting checks. What do they give a rat's ass? So now they responded and everybody's like, whoa, 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 these goons, these goons, the Maple Leafs. Well, guess what? I hope it happens. I hope it keeps happening that when things happen to star players, guys stand up for each other. When you get in the face of the goaltender, guys stand up for each other. Because when this team was at its absolute best this season, was at the beginning of the season when they were doing just that, throwing hits, sticking up for one another, the Geo Eagle, we all remember how fun that was. And then also, when this team just stands up for each other, every game they do it, we point it out. If it is a continuing thing, Clark, I'm fired up, man. Because if you got guys like McCabe and Benoit, maybe even Domi and Bertuzzi, because he's getting a lot of flack for not scoring. So if you're not scoring, you better be doing something. You got Reeves in your lineup. So if these guys start doing that and drag the others into it, and it just becomes a thing, I'm all for it. I said it earlier today. I was asked who my favorite enforcer was for the Maple Leafs. I love when Matt Martin was there because he kept the flies off Matthews and Marner, but those guys also played a little little taller and really got in the mix as well. So I'm all for it, man. This is going to galvanize this squad and really propel them forward, I think, through the rest of the season. And I think the boys are going to play for Mo and get it done because I know, I know, those guys are not going to let Mo go and get suspended, be out for six games, and not do something on the ice to big him up. Yeah, so I don't. You know what, James? If I can just if, if I can just jump in there really quick, I don't yep. think he's going to get six games. Uh, and I know that there's the in-person hearing, and and that allows you to get what is it more than five? That allows you to potentially get more than five. But I have a feeling that this in-person hearing is not so much 
about giving him more games. I have a feeling it's about uh, a discussion uh, to be had because he is a first-time offender. You don't you don't often see first-time offenders getting in-person hearings for something yeah. like this, uh, especially because Greg didn't get hurt. He's back at practice. He's going to play the next game. Uh, I jump in on that though. About yeah, what yeah. Austin you Matthews, go ahead. Yeah. What Austin Matthews said today about that though on the phone call that he got. He said when he got on that phone call, it felt like it was already a done deal, close case. He was right. basically just there to take what they're going to say to him. So he didn't really get to argue his points or get to say anything. They have already made their mind up. It was a closed book to him at that point. So, I mean, I hope what you're saying is right. And Morgan Riley can go in with basically what, you know, Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick said, the best defense team, period, because there are so many instances this year that have happened that did not result in that long of suspension. Hi, Jacob Truba, basically baseball swinging his stick at a buddy's head. You know, there's so many different instances. And then you have the David Perron one that I put side by side because shout out to our guy, John Trache of the Ottawa Senators. Me and him were messaging all Saturday night and into Sunday. You know, he said it's, it's similar to the Perron one, which you put them side by side. I don't think they are that similar the play looks kind of similar, the riding up of the stick and stuff like that. But Perron was looking for blood, where Morgan Riley was looking for just to shut somebody up. Two different things. You have Larkin laying on the ice. This is after a slapper goal. It is what it is. We'll see what happens. But when I heard that comment from Matthews, I'm like, man, Riley's boned. But one thing that may work in Riley's favor, and this was brought up on the 32 Thoughts podcast, is guys are now no longer afraid to appeal the suspension to Bettman, which George Peros doesn't want happening. So he is trying to dole out the right amount of games so it does not lead to people going to Bettman with the arbitration on it. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping for three. I wouldn't be surprised if it's eight. I'm just, and then it gets arbed down to four. Because. Yeah. Care you can call me a tinfoil hatter, George Perros, since he became the disciplinary for the NHL, has doled out more suspensions to one team in particular, and it's the one that left him face down on the ice, and that is the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's black and white, it's in the ink, it's not made up, it is true. And Jason Spezza, for God's sake, you give him that long of a suspension. The guy is like, God, how long that one was until I saw it on Twitter recently. Can you believe that? Like, that's ridiculous. You give him that suspension, given the fact you gave Neil Pionk dick all, you know, it's, it's ridiculous to me. So I do think there is a slight vendetta there. And I don't think former players should have the opportunity to be the disciplinary of the NHL. Especially not such, especially not such recent former players like George Peros isn't that old. Like he's been out of the league for a while now, but that was more because of the type of player that he was than anything. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I, I I think we should do something. You know how the Leafs have a blueprint uh, on yep. their YouTube channel? It's their behind the scenes, uh, all that kind of stuff. They should do a blueprint episode where um, George Peros and Colton Orr get together and have a dinner uh, and just like bury the hatchet. Because I feel like that's all it is. I feel like that's all it is, James. He's just that's mad at Colton Orr. Colton Orr doesn't it. represent the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, so I feel like they just need to sit down, have a have a steak dinner, and uh, just get over it, George Perros. Because, like, what are you doing? Yeah, man? but he, unfortunately... He played on other teams, too. He barely played for the Montreal Canadiens. Leafs fans won't let him. That's the thing that gets posted the most, right? So... You know, yeah. stop bringing it back to consciousness as well, right? Like, let's just leave it out. 
of the situation and stop doing that. But at the same time, George Peros makes it very easy to paint a target on his back when he does that dumb shit. That's totally. what I'm going to call it. It is. It, there's no other way to say it, man. At, at the least of the most suspended team in his tenure, tell me that's not a vendetta. I'm sorry okay. to say. It, it's merely more than just a coincidence. It's, you know, there's something there, folks. Uh, I'll, I'll tighten my tinfoil hat if I need to. But um, Keith's comments on this, too. You know, and everybody's saying, oh, you know, Keith's supporting violence and Keith's supporting this and Keith's supporting guys. No, Keith is supporting teammates sticking up for teammates, a player sticking up for his team. And again, like I said in the opening when I was ranting, you know, it's basically Keith saying that this guy is not allowing other teams to walk on us. For so long, the Maple Leafs have been a doormat for the NHL. Oh, they're soft. Oh, they won't respond. Oh, their star players get run over. They don't do anything about it. So finally a Maple Leaf player does something about it and their coach who's supposed to support the guy supports the guy and everybody's like, "Oh, both of them biggest dirtbags in the league." So, I mean, what do you what do you what do you pundits want? You got it one way or the other. So they're so soft that they can't do shit, but when they finally do something, they're still they're stupid. I, I don't understand. There's no fine line for these guys. No, and I think that's kind of the evolving world of the media that we live in now. Is just that no matter what happens, there's going to be a larger chunk of people <laughs> online and on social media, media related or fan base related, doesn't matter, yep. that are just going to find a way to be mad about it because it's easier to be mad about something than it is to support something and be positive. And guess what, James? Let's be honest. Positive stuff doesn't get as many clicks as negative stuff does. Hi, I'm uh, living proof of that. Exactly. And I mean, we're both guilty of it ourselves, James, you and I, we've both made videos purposely trying to get engagement. And that's, that's just the world that it, we live in. It's mm -hmm. it, if Keith would have came out and said, I wish Morgan wouldn't have done that. The same people who are mad at him for saying he supported him yeah. would have said, he's just supporting this team being soft. He needs to get fired. He needs to be out. Yeah. Uh, and, and if he, and if Ryan Reeves would have came out and said, you know what, I'm not a huge fan of what Morgan Riley did. Instead of saying, you know what, I wish Morgan Riley would have gotten done more, or <laughs> I wish I would have been on the ice, or whatever Ryan Reeves said. Yeah. Uh, people would have said, oh, Ryan Reeves is soft. The Leafs are soft. You know, all this stuff. The same people. And, and you know, it's, it's crazy to see um, that, you know, there used to be this argument of, uh, you know, seeing people comment one thing and then the next thing happens, they comment the exact opposite. It's just, that's how it is now. It's not like there's one or two people out there that flip flop. No, I've got your moments anymore. It's, it's pretty much dead. everybody now. And uh, it is what it is. That's just how hockey is. And it, that's the way it's going. Um, but it's also funny, James, uh, the amount of people, and I'm going to say younger people specifically, and I don't mean to call anybody out specifically, but I will uh, say it in a general sense. Uh, that don't see a problem at all with what Ridley Gregg did. And I'm going to say, now I'm going to make myself sound old, and James, sorry, uh, but I'm going to say people my age or older all understand that that wasn't a cool thing to do. That wasn't funny. That was, you know. How come, for, I'll ask those for, young For people. lack of language, that was a dick move by Ridley Gregg. Anyone my age or older says that, but anyone younger than me says Oh, well, that was funny. I guess you can't slap shot a goal against the Leafs anymore. Blah, blah, blah. There was a lot of that. And I, I feel like it's a generational thing. There's a, there's a little bit of a gap growing between, I'm going to call it my generation, our generation, James. I'm going to yep. count, count you in on mine. And the one below it. Maybe two below it. Maybe there's one in between. But 
the one that's coming up now that's I'm going to say like 15 to 26 ish. Uh, they find it funny. They they don't see a problem with it. They think the reaction was un unfathomable that Morgan Riley would ever even consider this. Uh, so there's there's I think that's another issue I guess with with how this whole thing has been discussed online is that there's just some real real defined generational gaps going on here. Uh, and maybe it's even something to do with just like there's another reason to hate the Leafs, so let's just pile on. Um, I'm not I'll sure give you exactly. This one but... for for Saturday night, Sat Sunday, and I mean some comments in the videos. Yeah, okay, it is what it is. But a lot of like actual Sens fans agreed that what Greg did was stupid. That yeah. he shouldn't have done it. There's a lot of good Sens fans that said, you know, he shouldn't have done it. Yeah, there should have been a response, and that's where. You know, for me, I had the common ground with a lot of them was I agreed that it was dumb what Greg did, but I agreed it was dumb what Morgan Riley did. I've said that many, many times, but it's so weird that you just look at everyone and what they're doing and what they're saying. And it's just it's the easy way to jump on the, the bandwagon. And it's funny for me because Claude Giroux is an Ottawa senator and he was embarrassed by what really Greg did. Oh, definitely. And I think I'm going to count Claude Giroux in into my generation of, of but so was Matthew to or uh, Brady to Chuck. Yeah. Anyone yeah. who's in the leadership group of that team understood why Riley snapped because yeah. Chuck would have done the exact same thing. But this just goes back to the first thing you said on the show today or the second thing, whatever it was, James. And, and I think we can probably end it here maybe, but it, the players that are talking about it are all in agreement that Ridley Gregg was a dummy. Yep. Every player. And and when you say Claude Giroux, that's a perfect example because they interviewed him immediately after the game on Sportsnet. Yep. They asked him point blank, what do you think about it? And he he was like, yeah. yeah. He was embarrassed. Yeah, he didn't know how to answer it because he didn't want to sound – he didn't want to throw his teammate under the bus. But that's he exactly knows. What, yeah. Yeah. He knew exactly that, that that was something you do not do in this sport. And – there's a there's a respect thing about it, and it's it's this unwritten rule that again this I'm going to call it the younger generation either make fun of or don't take seriously or don't care about or think it's stupid. And a lot of this unwritten rule stuff is kind of stupid. It is. It's kind of stupid. Yeah. But at the same time, it's been around forever. And the fact that a lot of people are just like throwing it out the window because they think it's funny or they they think why why can't you slap shot it? They don't get it. They don't they don't understand and. Um, I think that's where this big gap is, I guess, in this whole debate for this whole event. is. It, but the players all know, especially Claude Giroux, the older guys, they all know. Ryan Reeves said it perfectly. A guy that young thinks that that's okay to do, that's not okay. Uh, so that's kind of where I'll, I'll leave it at, I guess, for the most part. Yeah, no, and we'll, we'll cap it off with this. Brian Burke said this a long time ago, and we'll leave this one here, that if you get rid of the guys who police the ice – whatever you want to call them, goons, enforcers, guys that are just on the fourth line to uh, protect the integrity of the game, shall we say, the rats will run the game. And that is exactly what is starting to happen, whether it's the cross checks from behind. Hello, Nick Cousins, I see you. <laughs> or it's the Ridley Gregg, no respect slap shot in the empty net. Those things will happen because there's no one to hold those guys accountable like they used to do back not too long ago. But we will leave it there and go forward into the Leafs. But before we jump into the Leafs, I want to talk about our friends over at the Hockey Podcast Network. As long as everything loads up here, 
<laughs> I might be able to say it. Just um, recite it off the top of your head. You have the whole thing memorized, James. Oh, yes. Top of my head. Yes, yes. I believe top, in you. Top of the head. No. Yeah, I believe in you. All right, ladies and gentlemen. We know hockey games move fast, just like this podcast with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. You can score more faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet five bucks and get 200 bucks instantly in bonus bets. Hey, listen, check out the games between St. Louis, Philly, or the Anaheim Ducks if you're a Maple Leaf fan this week. Get in on it. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code THPM. New customers can bet five bucks on the NHL and get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings.com. Sportsbook with the code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for your problem gambling. Call 888 97777 or visit ccp.org. Please play responsible on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 age plus varies by restriction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash sports slash hockey for eligibility and budget restrictions. Terms and responsible gambling resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright the NHL 2024. All rights reserved. So get in there. Get some bets in on the games you're watching this week and have some fun. Speaking of going to have some fun, we're going to have some fun seeing what Timothy Lilligren really is. He's going to be elevated up with TJ Brody. Hold your breath on the top pair for the Maple Leafs. Now, a lot of talk last episode between us about possibly including Timothy Lilligren in a deal. Maybe this is as far as he's going to go. So is this elevating because of just necessity or is this elevating for a showcase? And really, is this guy ready for this? Because for me, Timothy Lilgren this season has regressed and taken a step back. He has not taken that next step we wanted him to. He didn't stay in the even zone either. It looks like he's taken the step backwards. And for me, now you're throwing him up in the pressure cooker and saying, hey, go be Morgan Riley super light. And, you know, hold us together while Riley's out. To me, this has got to be a showcase. Giving him maximum minutes, showing what he can do under pressure. And maybe if he comes out smelling like roses, he's an even better trade trip to ship out the door. Yeah, that's kind of the way I'm looking at it for the most part, uh, James, is that I think, um, I mean, there aren't a ton of other better options at this very moment to fill in for Morgan Riley. So I think putting him with Brody is kind of the way to go. Um, it also puts Brody back on the left side, which I think will be a nice break for him. Uh, again, he's, I know he's been on the right side forever, but I just feel like he's a little bit stronger on the left. Uh, most lefties are, and that's just, just the way hockey works is it's easier to catch a pass that way. It's easier to, you know, skate and pass on the move that way. It's everything's just a little bit easier when you're on the right side on the correct side, I should say. Uh, for a defenseman. Uh, so putting Timothy Lilligren up there, I think, uh, again, it's going to showcase him. Uh, but at the same time, you know, if it's not for a trade, um, give him some pressure minutes and get his head back into it. Maybe, maybe that's just, he just needs a bit of a kick in the ass uh, to kind of get things going again for himself. And I think a lot of the hype and, and um, advanced numbers and analytics that he had going for him was when he was on that third pair sheltered um, 
minutes with you know certain situations and he looked great in those situations and sure that's great uh but anytime he's tried to get elevated i haven't really noticed him i haven't and not in a good way sometimes when you say you don't notice a defenseman that's a good thing yeah uh, but it, it's it, it's not something that i think is necessarily a good thing with timothy Lilligren. i feel like he anytime he's been elevated like he's been given a chance to play top pair uh they put him with morgan riley in the past uh and it just it's been okay. It's, it hasn't been great, uh, which is why he keeps getting put back down. Uh, and it doesn't allow them to move TJ Brody down, which I'm sure they've probably wanted to at this point. This is yep. what, this goes back to this the whole thing with Keith screaming at Brad Tree Living, saying, Brad, give me something. You know, like the whole Steve Dangle bit that's been going on for about a month and a bit now. Yeah. Um, it's just like, you know, TJ Brody keeps going back on that first pair because he just kind of has to. There isn't anybody else on that team, I don't think that can really take that spot and then not leave a hole somewhere else in the, the pair. Uh, Jake McKay probably could if you gave it to him full time, but that would leave a, a spot open in that middle pair or that bottom pair, wherever yeah. they put him. Giordano, you know, very situationally, maybe still could have a little bit of that in him, but that leaves a hole in the third pair, which is where he needs to be. He can't be anywhere else. He's maximized there. Uh, yeah. You know, Benoit is not ready. He's good enough to play with McCabe, and they've been playing good together, but he's not ready. Uh, and anybody else on the lineup, you can't tell me Timmins or Legison or Lejoie. Definitely not Lejoie, but the other two, they're not ready. Uh, so there's there's a maybe a little bit of necessity going on here in just in terms of there aren't many other options for this. Um, but at the same time, like you said, James, if he does actually play okay during this stretch of games, whatever it is, whether it's three, four, two, six, eight, like you said earlier, uh, this could be huge for, you know, moving him along in a trade package to get that player that could be the upgrade that we've been looking for. So we'll see. Uh, I think it's going to be an interesting little experiment, a little uh, interesting uh, thing to watch over the next little while. And we all should be cheering for him. All the best to him. We need to, we need him to step up here uh, one way or the other. And if it ends up netting a, a nice big trade, even better. Yeah, there's only one way to look at it, man. Just be positive. Hopefully he plays positive. Hopefully the results are positive. And hopefully he gives us a positive return. That's all you know. That's the yep. end of it right there. And, I mean, you look at what's coming in at practice. Joe Wool back at practice today with the main group, which is good to see. Uh, there wasn't really much of an update given on his status, though. Um, don't know if he's going to be backing up this week. Uh, if he might get into a game. Uh, but there was a little news about Jones as well, practicing on a separate rink uh, away from everyone else. So that would lead me to believe that they're trying to work Wool back into the situation, I guess. And I mean, that's good. I want to see Joe Wool between the pipes, but I also don't want to see Martin Jones shunned, you know, put in the corner, so to speak. Find a way to work them all in there because this guy saved your bacon during a very, very crucial part of the season. Without yeah. him, I don't think the Leafs are in the playoff spot. No, 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 definitely <clears throat> not. No, for sure. Uh, but I think, again, you can only dress two goalies at a time. You can practice however many you want, but you can only dress two at a time. And I think with Joe Wool coming back, what this says to me, James, is that they wanted him to get as many practice reps as possible and not short Jones on practice reps. Yep. Uh, so they gave, him, they gave him the early reps before the practice started and let him get his touches and everything. But I also wonder, and you know, Sheldon Keefe has been really, really good about this since he's been the coach of the Leafs, especially coming after Babcock's era where he was really bad at this. 
But Sheldon Keefe is very, very good at giving players their moment, yep. uh, depending on the situation. And who do they play tomorrow night? St. Louis. That's where Joseph Wall is born and raised, St. Louis. Do you think that this could be a situation, James, where uh, he's been ready for a little while, but they haven't dressed him, so they didn't rush him. And now that he's fully ready, they wanted to give him a full practice. And maybe they're going to start him against his hometown team. Like, I know it's it's in Toronto, but uh, you know Sheldon Keefe's been – that's very much on his mind. That's a thing that they've been very um, cognizant of since he started. And if he's ready – what better team to go against than the Blues to start it off and get them back on the ice and get them back in the groove? And then you give Sammy Philly and then see what happens for Anaheim. You know, like it's, that could be where we're at with Joseph Wall. He might have been ready for a while now. Uh, and James, you've heard reports and you've talked to people that said maybe he has been kind of ready for a while, but uh, maybe he's fully ready to go and they're going to give him the net. Yeah, there's just been the issue of um, locking down the post with that ankle. That's been right. the, uh, the the problem, right? Making sure that there, A, is no pain there, but B, also the confidence in, you know, going into that position and not worrying about an injury happening again uh, was an issue, was something that, you know, has been front of mind. And I think if you look back, there are videos out there of him working with several different coaches at the same time, pushing from post to post, just to get that feeling and just to get that slam and contact on the ankle the skate to the post, all that stuff, locking in and making sure that it's secure for one, but for two, that he feels comfortable mentally and physically, you know, with that slide back and forth. It's the last thing you want. And guys talk about it all the time. Like Gary Roberts was one of them, you know, about going towards the boards after his horrific injury, right? Any injury you suffer that you have a collision or something, you're always timid for that area to get hit and get hit again and hit again. But once it starts to get a repetition and it doesn't hurt and it's not bothering you, that mental block kind of goes away. That's what they're for for Joe Wool. And maybe you're right. Maybe he's ready to roll and tomorrow night, perfect way to get him back against a sputtering kind of St. Louis Blues team. Gives him an opportunity to A, feel good between the pipes, but B, get his team some points. And man, if Joe Wool's back, baby, I'm so excited. I love Samsonov, I do, but man... Joel Wool has been a drum of mine for oh, a for few sure. years, man. Yeah, and, and it'll be know. it'll be really good for him to get to see uh, future Maple Leaf Colton Pareko as well. Ah, oh, I wish, I wish, I wish. Uh, speaking of back at practice, David Camp and Mark Giordano both back at practice. I mean, for me, Pontus Holmberg has played his best hockey on the wing. So if David Camp is coming back, and the lap the line is Holmberg, Camp, and Reeves. I'm all for it because Holmberg looked really good on the wing. He yeah. struggles as a center. I don't think he has the hockey IQ to be an everyday NHL center. On the wing, though, dude's dynamite. Dude can drive yeah. the net, drive the lane. He's got the speed. He can play along the wall. But when it comes to being the center and making those split-second decisions that a center has to do, whether it's offensively or defensively with that responsibility – I don't think Pontus Holmberg's hockey IQ, not dissing the guy, but I don't think that is there. But as a winger, I definitely think it is, 100%. And just with folks that I've talked to, I mean, my thoughts on that have been kind of verified, you know, just by stats and stuff. But, I mean, 
That was my opinion of him before. I think that was your opinion as well. I mean, how many times last year that I bring up the charts with you guys on face-off dots and say, this is the yeah. reason why he shouldn't be an NHL player. He's not good on the dot. And that was yeah. one thing they wanted him to be was a defensive-minded center. He's not that. Let him be a winger. Let him be a bit of a gronk because he's got some size to him. And let him go out there and just wreak havoc on the fourth line with Ryan Reeves. And if Camp, maybe whatever was bothering him, which was hampering him on the faceoff dot. Hopefully that's behind him. And maybe now he can move forward to and kind of reinvent himself for the rest of the season. Yeah. I think there's definitely a couple things that have stood out for me with camp out. Uh, and he has been out now for what, two, three weeks almost. So um, you, we've had a good chance to see this lineup without him. And I think the biggest thing for me is that I've realized that Bobby McMahon, uh, good player. Uh, he's not a bad player. But uh, when you pair him with Holmberg and Gregor, the three of them can't be in the lineup at the same time. No. Like they're just, like, and, and no offense to any of them. Uh, I'll take any of them on my team. No problem. As a 13th forward. You know, like that's kind of where yeah. I've, I've kind of gotten Sprinkled to in amongst guys. the rest. Yeah. And Noah Gregor, um, you know, I'm a big fan. Obviously, he's a WHL boy. I got to see him a lot in his junior career because he was always a rival of ours when I was working with the Pats, whether he was with Moose Jaw, Prince Albert. Uh, he was always a thorn in our sides every single time we played those guys. So he's got a soft spot for me. Uh, he's fast and he, you know, he gets he gets in around the ice pretty good. Um, but it's gotten to a point now over the course of the season where it's like, okay, what else are you doing, Noah? Uh, are you chipping in offensively? I mean, he's he's scored a couple of goals. He scored the first goal of the he's season. Do what makes him effective, man. Just be that little cog grinder, yeah. physical dude. Because when he was playing like that, everybody noticed him and yeah. liked Simone Benoit. Everybody was like, "Yes, we love this guy." Yeah, and he has it in him, and I think that's been the biggest thing with Noah Gregor is it's he, he hasn't been able to always be that guy. He's that guy sometimes, and yeah, uh, I think that's part of his thing. Holmberg, like kind of in the same vein, is is a, okay. He does a few things really well, but you know what is he doing to stay in the lineup? And same with Bobby McMahon. I feel like over the course of the season, I've kind of gone a little bit down on Bobby McMahon, uh, and he's again, he's just kind of he's almost like. Um, a cheaper version of what Pierre Engvall was for this team. Hmm. Nothing, ha nothing happens when he's on the ice. Maybe nothing good or nothing bad happens necessarily much, but I feel like nothing happens positively either when he's on the ice. And I feel yeah. like that's what Pierre Engvall was for the longest time, except when he's scoring overtime winners against the team. <sighs> but uh, always happens, you know, it, man. I, I, I basically what I'm. Long story short. Both, all three of those guys cannot be on the lineup at the same time. And I think that's just another reason that we need to see something from Bradtree living where he adds somebody for the bottom six to eliminate the need to have McMahon, Gregor and Holmberg all in the lineup. At the like, same time. I know, like I, yeah, exactly. I know yarn croaks hurt and I know when yarn croak comes back. Oh, I can't wait for Yarny to come back. man. That'll eliminate one of them, but there's still going to be at least one of them on the third or on the fourth line. And I feel like if this team really wants to go somewhere, it might be at a point where all three of them shouldn't be in the lineup at all. Uh, and then we're really looking at an upgraded lineup. I, I, it's kind of where I'm at in my head. Yep. Um, and I might even sort of, I know Nick Robertson's got a lot of fans out there, but I might sort of include him in that conversation. Um, but I'm not I, including I, Nick Robertson into any trade or any conversation. No, no, until no. He gets a, no, until he gets a top six chance. Oh, 
I got you. Yeah. Give him a top yeah. six run. And then if he doesn't produce or, you know, show that he can hang with those boys now where he's been in NHL for a little while. Sure. Then, then you're, you're packaging him. But I'll, I think Nick Robertson needs a top six run. I think he I'll, does. I'll add this to that, that debate. Cause this will be another episode probably, but if they do add a guy like Blake Coleman, um, and Nick Robertson is no longer, no longer has a spot on that third line. That's when I get into the discussion where I add him to those guys. I might rather have a guy like Holmberg or Gregor in the lineup on the fourth line instead of a Robertson, depending on the scenario, depending on who they're playing, stuff like that. That's where Robertson gets into that conversation. Because if they make a trade to upgrade the lineup, he might lose his spot with that line. Otherwise, I like him with that line, especially when Yarn Croak's on it. Uh, so yeah, when Yarny's there, to- man, it's man. A lot of people are sleeping on Yarny right now because yeah. they're forgetting what he brings to this team, but. When yeah. he comes back healthy and ready to go, ooh, I can't yeah. wait. I love. I get excited. He's not that far off. He's you know he he'll be back before too too long. So um, again, I just feel like we're at a point now where we all see the flaws in the lineup, both forward and defense. And you know, we talked about the defense kind of already um, in the Lilligren conversation. And I think we're all kind of understanding that you know what, Brad, you're either leaving this team out to dry or you got to go make some moves here pretty quick. Cause we all see the flaws and clearly Sheldon Keefe also sees the flaws. Yeah. That's the problem here. If they don't make a move, which every GM should give a coach a move. And now Sheldon Keefe is Brad Turliving's coach. Cause he extended him. Yeah. So it's not like he's on an expiring deal. He extended the guy. So you owe the guy the courtesy of making a deal. But I'll tell you right now, if this team sputters down the stretch either misses the playoffs or goes out in round one, they're all going to play him Sheldon Keefe. It's not going to be Brad Trillo. Oh, Brad just got here. So it sucks, and it is what it is. But let's move on to the week that will be for the Maple Leafs. We talked about it earlier. Got some games where the Leafs might be able to bank some points here. We got St. Louis, Philly, and Anaheim. For me, I'm going 2-0-1 this week, and I'm going to say it's going to be Philly because they always play us really hard. That puts us to OT and we lose that one. But I'm saying we beat St. Louis, we beat Anaheim on Saturday, and then uh, we have a little bit of a grudge match with St. Louis on Monday coming up again, which is nice. We might have a former uh, blue on the show very soon. But, Clarky, what are you going with with a record here? I'm going with the uh, the James Roberts Classic 3-0. and uh, And the reason I say that is, uh, you know, I, I agree <laughs> I agree with what you're saying about Philly, um, but I'm I'm kind of at a point now where this team, even without a Morgan Riley in their lineup, needs to put up or shut up. And I think if they lose a single game in the stretch, and I'm including next week as well, because they have St. Louis and then uh, who comes after St. Louis? Arizona, I do believe. It's a soft. It's a softer t- opponent. It's it's not a, a world beater opponent. So it, I, I think this stretch of five games is is majorly. I put it in the group chat if you want to go check. Uh, I kept, it was a little while ago, but. Um, it, it's a stretch of games they need to pick up. It is Arizona. As, okay, Arizona. So they need to pick up as many points as possible during the stretch because the next stretch, uh, again, correct me if I'm wrong here, it's Vegas, Colorado, Arizona again, uh, and a couple Vegas, other solid Colorado, teams. Colorado, Vegas yeah. again, then Arizona, the Rangers, the Bruins. Right. So you're looking at a pretty tough group of six there. Um, compared to the upcoming five games. So this is a stretch of games uh, where I think if they lose any of them, uh, I am going to start hoping for a 
10:30 p.m. trade uh, that we saw after the Leafs lost the, those couple of games and they got decided it was time to get rid of Nick Ritchie and they traded him straight up for Ilya Labushkin after the game that one night that I was yeah. live streaming for and it came through while we were still all on the air live streaming uh, and that was pretty cool. So I'm I'm thinking that uh, this stretch of games, if they lose any of them we might see a bit of a knee-jerk reaction trade. It's kind of like, it just, the vibes are feeling like that. If So I think 3-0 and is the way to go uh, for me this week, because otherwise I think we're going to see some, see, finally see something happen, which might I not think, be a bad thing. I think once the Morgan Riley suspension comes down, I think you see a trade. That could happen too. I, I think I, they want to augment the lineup just to, to, not just hold water, but to get a guy in here because it was said to me, and I, I didn't think about this, but there's not a lot of practice days down the stretch once you acquire a guy to work mm-hmm. him into your system. So the smart thing to do is you're three, what, pro, yeah, just three and a half weeks away now from trade deadline, March the 8th. Yep. Yep. So you got three and a half weeks to acclimate a guy before the deadline. I'd get him in there as soon as I could. You know, I, Yeah, I there's always him. that argument, though, like is the price going to be higher and whatever, but... Okay, is the price going to be higher, or are you going to lose the guy completely because he didn't pull a trigger? Right, right. Lisa are yeah. famous for that one too. But oh, yeah. we'll wrap this one up with the GBU. We'll do it quick. One word answers for the GBU. The good Clark for you is what? I mean, it has to be Morgan Riley. So that's where I'm at. I kind of already said my feelings on that. If you want to hear my feelings, go back to the beginning of the episode. Bam. Uh, the good for me, Joe Wool being back between the pipes for the blue and white. Let's go. The brick wall. Yes. Uh, the bad for you, Clark. Uh, the bad is, uh, I'm going to say, the reaction around all of this. And mm. I've kind of used this as a as a cop-out answer before to the bad. But just uh, it's it's just another frustration that's adding to the whole frustration of the season. And... It reminds me of why I took a social media break not that long ago, uh, and I'm still kind of in it in a way. Uh, mostly one app, <laughs> but it's just you know it's the it's the social world that we live in now. That's the bad. Uh, for me, I'll go with the the bad is uh, losing Morgan Riley for however many games he's going to be gone. I love the fact he stood up for his team. I hate the fact that we're going to lose our number one defenseman. And people can argue about Morgan Riley's value. He's one of the most valuable players on the Toronto Maple Leafs. So I will say uh, that's my bad. And the ugly, Clark. What is the ugly? Uh, my ugly is going to be simply losing to the Senators. But at the same time, that ugly could turn into a beautiful uh, because uh, it could reignite the Battle of Ontario. And if that's the case, that's probably for the best. Uh, my ugly is the exact same. Right there with you, 100%. So easy, said, and done. Well, folks, if you hung around for this long, thank you very much. Make sure you drop a follow to my guy, Clark Monroe. His handle's right there on his screen name. Get in there. We are in your ears usually on Sundays and Wednesdays. It's Offside Hockey Talk, where the Maple Leafs and hockey, we come to talk.